welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Trasida from NHS Somerset, and I'm really pleased to welcome two guests today to talk about consciousness. So, Dr. Karen Forshaw and Chrissy Mowbray. Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Hi there, Andrew. Um, so, I'm Karen Forshaw. I am a GP. Um, I've been a GP for about 18 years now, um, and I work in a quite a deprived part of South Yorkshire, um, and I love it, actually. <laughs> so I know there's lots of pressure at the moment in the system, but I love my job. I love being um, able to be part of people's lives and actually help people. I think that's, it's a real privilege to have that kind of job. Um, I also, at the surgery, I'm a GP trainer and outside of the surgery, I'm a GP appraiser and I organise the um, kind of ongoing learning of for um, the doctors and nurses in Doncaster. Um, we call that our target sessions. Um, and then the other part of my job is teaching resilience and well-being for NHS organisations with Chrissy. Fantastic. So quite an educationalist as well as frontline seeing patients and, and helping lots of people in many ways. Next, Chrissy, tell us a bit about yourself, please, as well. So I am a physiotherapist and psychotherapist, hypnotherapist and practitioner of shamanic healing and NLP and CBT. I started off as a physiotherapist um, in the NHS, but um, I moved on to working privately and I'm in the very privileged privileged position of having people who come to me with aches and pains for physiotherapy um, realizing that they actually wanted something different a bit more holistic and we because it's a private practice we're able to explore all sorts of different ways of healing uh, and often and, and I am a big believer that our emotional pain and our physical pain cannot be separated so it's really nice to be able to treat treat people in this in this very holistic way um, and uh, as Karen said the other part of my job is to work uh, with resilient practice teaching this stuff uh, to the people who really need it and we love that it doesn't feel like work to us. That's fascinating thank you very much so I, I'm sure we're going to be talking a little bit about the mind-body connection and, and healing could we just unpack a couple of, of of abbreviations NLP and CBT now CBT I think is cognitive behavioral therapy which some of our listeners will have heard us talk about on a on a number of occasions um, an evidence-based practice um, which is used quite widely in the NHS could you just remind us what NLP is please I will do it's uh, neuro-linguistic programming. So it, it has its roots in uh, R&T Beck's um, cognitive behavioural therapy approach. But then it was further developed by Bandler and Grinder in the 1980s. And it, it is seen a little bit, unfortunately, as pseudoscience because it's used in sales, it's used in health promotion, it's used in, in politics. And it's really um, ways to frame how you speak to the self and others for maximum impact. So if you don't use it with integrity, of course, you can um, persuade somebody to buy something. But if you're you're talking to a patient about health promotion, um, how we speak to people is, is key in terms of what they take out of the message. And neuro-linguistic programming is very much about the words that we choose, the order we put them in, and how we how we put the message across in terms of speaking to self and others. Thank you. And uh, as with anything, if used with authenticity, uh, then it's for the benefit of both parties. Absolutely, yeah. So, 
the topic of consciousness. What would you like? How would you like to explore this? This is this sounds absolutely fascinating, especially with your two backgrounds on on education and uh, mind body understanding and a, a practice that does both the physical and the psychological. So I think um, the more that we talk about this stuff, so so basically, Chrissy and I met a long time ago when our children were small, and we used to talk about different ways to help patients or. Um, kind of people with unexplained symptoms and people who were struggling with their mental health and we we got kind of more and more into the well how to how do we do that how do we organize that how do you sort that out and we came up with loads of different kind of ways that would help improve people's well-being but what it always 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 came down to was about understanding where those kind of the thoughts and the feelings and the behaviors that were creating the problems, where that all came from. And actually, I think what we've recognized now is that when we are conscious of our responses, then actually we can be the architect of our experience. Yeah. So basically our responses are what manifest our environments around us. And so if we are very aware of what we're doing, then we can control that or we can, um, we can influence it in a really positive way. Chrissy, were you going to come in then? Yeah, and, and to recognise in ourselves, we always call it our stuff, and that's the thing that you see in lots of sort of um, modern well-being literature when you talk about your own stuff. It's your conditioning and your belief system, and all of those knee-jerk survival go-to responses that we that are running under the surface in the background all the time and manifesting outcomes for us. Um, and we just think that's who we are. We just think that 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 it's always in my my makeup that I, you know, I'm a snappy person or I'm oversensitive or and actually it's it's all stuff that we've been doing up to now to survive. It's I, I once had um uh an appointment well, it, it, it was a chance of meeting with somebody at a mind, body and spirit fair and and I said, oh, you know, this is just the way that's what I do. You know, it's in my makeup. And she said, stop saying that, because every time you say it, you drive it deeper. It's only what you've been doing up to now to survive. And and I think that it, the self-awareness, that uh, consciousness and self-awareness is the thing that we talk about all the time. It's about becoming so aware of yourself and your responses and and those and your stuff that actually um, you become it becomes a superpower. You're able to, when you meet with resistance, when you realise that you're blocking yourself from moving forward, you can explore what that is and process it and shift it so that you can remove the blockages to, to healing. Thank you. So I've heard stuff described, uh, I think Jung would be describing it as our shadow as well, and the, and some of that is our personal stuff and some of it is, the, is deeper unconscious stuff within us. But... We're all busy in life, and I'm going to just play devil's advocate. We're all too busy to do this. Um, you know, this is this isn't this just a bit sort of off the wall and and, and unimportant because we've we've got the things we've got the tasks that we've got to do to get through the day. Um, but we're I, all doing this already. Actually, we're all doing it all the time. It's just okay. unfortunately we're doing it in a really unconscious way, and therefore that tends to. Um, kind of unfortunately gravitate towards the negative because we've got all sorts of kind of evolutionary biases within us and we have a lot of um we have a lot of kind of emotional connection to the outcome of 
our interactions a lot of the time. And so, and that will then drive us to second guess ourselves or to think in a negative way. And when we do that, we create really negative outcomes, don't we? So I would suggest that we are actually already doing the thinking and feeling and, and, and all of that processing type of things but we just need to become more aware of it and make it more in the kind of maybe in maybe in the more present part of our brain really yeah it's about waking up isn't it to to those responses and and being aware of what we're doing in the moment and that actually there's a lot of automatic stuff that's going on that we can actually press pause and decide is that how how I you can you can press pause and just start and ask yourself what am I telling myself in this situation and it's rarely rooted in truth what we're telling ourselves you know somebody is a bit off with us oh they don't like me it means you know I'm not good enough or you know it'll be because of what I said last Wednesday or and actually it's a fear thing it's a fear of not being liked it's a fear of not being accepted and and we and that drives our our emotions and our thoughts and our behaviors and um when we wake up to that and we say what am I telling myself actually and then you say well what is the truth you know if somebody if somebody um you perceive somebody to be talking about you when you come into the office the only truth is they're talking but actually we add meaning to it rooted in fear and that manifests the whole situation we manifest that dislike because then we go and complain about them so um, it's about waking up to what's going on within me. What am I telling myself? How do I feel? And where do I feel it in my body? And what's the knee-jerk reaction? And actually getting some awareness about that so that we've got we can introduce choice about how we go about things and that manifests different outcomes. Interesting. I've heard that responsibility can be split into two, the word into response and ability. So if we pause, we then have the ability to choose our response. But if we don't pause, um, then we run into problems. And one thing we sometimes we often do on these podcasts, um, for the benefit of of all of us and presenting, but also for our listeners and listeners, um, if you are driving at the moment or using heavy machinery, please do not engage in this exercise. But otherwise, if you'd like to put your feet flat on the floor and allow your spines to be comfortable, and take three slow, regular, rhythmic calming diaphragmatic using our abdominal muscles breaths and just notice how we feel i was doing this with a group the other day and suddenly the room the noises of the fan uh, became louder and actually had a pin dropped you could have heard a pin drop so what's happening here from this point of calm is is this useful in talking about consciousness and becoming aware of of what's going on well, definitely, because it downregulates the fight-flight response, so it, it it stops the emotion from kind of consuming us. If you can step back and observe emotion so that you're not actually, you are not the emotion or you are not the thought. Diaphragmatic breathing is really good in the pause, isn't it? Because you're actually affecting that body chemistry and creating calm so that you can make a, a less emotional response. And so, yeah, we teach a lot of breathing on on the courses that we... Do, yeah. I would absolutely add to that. So I think breath is the best way, isn't it, to actually bring yourself into the present. It's the best way to make you conscious because you are becoming really present in that moment. It's a physical thing that you can focus on, concentrate on, and it just allows you to push everything else away. And then there you are in the moment. And actually, 
you have then the capacity to think properly rather than just doing that automatic response. So I think to people who say, oh, I haven't got time for this, actually you create time when you do this because you give yourself a better body chemistry, there's less adrenaline, less cortisol in your system. And so your cognition, actually, your brain will be working in a much more effective way. Uh, and uh, they do say just to follow up on the brain of working in a more effective way they do say that from a from a point of inner calm our decision making and the choices we make are much more effective and efficient and perhaps that's where we end up creating time absolutely yeah definitely i think um if you're mindful if you're mind if you if you are doing something mindfully then it comes to fruition, doesn't it? Because we give it our 100%. Whereas if you are thinking about 100 of different things all at once, we just generate chaos. That's what we manifest, doesn't it? Because we don't actually do anything properly then. So yes. so the two of you have written a book together, How to Rise. So is that about consciousness or is it about something else? Or does it include things that you would like to share now? So it covers everything, actually. So, <laughs> so the full title is How to Rise a Complete Resilience Manual. <laughs> so we um, we originally devised a, it was a course, actually, that we were teaching to healthcare professionals. And somebody said, oh, you should write this down. <laughs> so we like, do you know what we should, really? Um, and that's where the book came from. Um, so so actually, it's a definition of resilience is, is the first bit. So in fact, it's split into three parts. So there's a theory section, then there's a core skills section, and then there are um, kind of about, I think it's 60 tools to try, things that people can weave into their day. Um, because again, we really wanted it to be how-to, not just having the theory and understanding that you should be more mindful or you should be more conscious and um, it was actually how to do that as well so anything to add to that Chris? <laughs> um only that you could read it backwards or from the middle or you know basically I, I i am one of those people who picks up books and lets them fall open so rather than trolling from the beginning to the end but with this you could begin with the tools any tool there's um there's a key in it so you know if you're struggling with something in particular you can find the tool that will address that but if there's a tool that kind of uh, catches your eye or appeals to you you can just start it and do that or you could just read about the core skills um so yeah there's lots of ways to use it it's it's not one of those things that you have to read from start to finish you can just use it as a as a a, a kind of a collection of of ways to become more resilient so I was curious about the core skills. What are the key core skills? And then I'd be really interested to hear some of some of the, the tools that you use or that maybe we could share with our listeners. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So um, so the core skills are breathing, um, language, uh, meditation, mindfulness. Might have to jump in, actually, Chrissy. <laughs> I've got a copy yeah, of the book. Record, um, journaling, keeping records. Keeping record, yeah, record keeping. And, and some of this came from medicine, actually, a little bit like significant event. Kind yes. of, you know, we write things down, don't we, so that we don't forget about them and so that we can learn from them. Um, and they're the, they're the five core skills, aren't they? Yeah. And um, the tools are, they are split into three kind of, Groupings. So there's meditations, there's some visualization exercises, and then there's a host of really practical tools. So they, um, things that people can do for 
specific and the meditations have specific purposes so they're a bit like hypnotherapy scripts in that if you you know there are ones for insomnia ones for health but so again if but then again this there's one about there's a waterfall and if you love water and you gravitate towards wanting to do that meditation then it's probably for you so whilst we have a key and a suggestion as to what good tools will be good for certain things we also encourage people to just actually have a go and decide what's good for them because that they know better than we do to be honest so that's interesting people knowing better than 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 you do or the therapist does or the expert does because so often we think oh i don't know the answer to that i'm i must ask somebody or and and in doing so we give away our power so it's some it sounds as though some of the core skills are giving us what's the word agency giving us the power back to ourselves so we've talked a little bit about breathing and uh, uh, and the importance of of grounding the parasympathetic through that Tell us a little bit about man- language and and how that's a core skill. Well, um, <clears throat> it's really important that we align our words with our intention. So if we say something like, oh, I'll load the dishwasher tonight, even though I've been at work and you've been sitting playing on your Xbox all day, we don't actually mean we are going to load the dishwasher. We're being um, slippery about it. We're saying I'll load it, but but the person is not getting the right message and all it's going to do is create them mirroring back some more passive aggression. And um, <clears throat> it's about aligning. It's about saying, go on, Andrew, what did you want to say? I was just going to say, uh, is this a case of indirect speech where I missed the nuances and thought, oh, well, you're Chrissy, you're going to do the dishwasher. I can sit. Exactly. Well, you, <laughs> could, you could just I, say, I okay, reading my book. Yeah, that, you could just say, oh, well, Fine, you said you were going to load it, but it's open to all sorts of misinterpretation, isn't it? It's open to all. And actually, there is emotion in there, isn't there? There is resentment in there. And actually, we need to be much clearer um, and, and align our thoughts with our intention and remove emotion so that when we're discussing something, we're not adding our emotion to it. We're actually saying so there's a big difference between becoming offended by something and telling someone it's offensive because when we become offended that's a big piece of us that goes into that and say oh you really upset me this morning first of all i'm letting you know exactly how to upset me secondly my day is ruined because i've become upset whereas if i actually concentrate on your behavior i can say what you said was not appropriate but then it's not making a dent in me if it, if i am upset by it that's my business i can go on and do the work but it doesn't have to bleed into the interaction if it bleeds into the interaction um, that that actually means that we trigger the other person and the other person is coming in with emotion and then the meaning is completely lost. Interesting. You said do the work. And so I'm hearing that we have to take responsibility for our own issues. If, if Chrissy, you've just upset me, actually, you've just been sitting there smiling at me. And I know our listeners can't see that, but we're, we're, we're recording on Zoom and uh, both both Chrissy and Karen are smiling at me. So if I'm thinking you make me so angry, that's my issue, not your issue. And I have to take responsibility for that. And I suppose what I'm hearing is that you're suggesting that we need to be conscious of the inner work that we need to be doing on our emotional self-regulation and on our attitudes, our thoughts, our our our, our reflection, our, our our conclusions, our judgments. Yes, no one has the power to make us angry, do do they, unless we give it to them. And it's really about if we become angry as a result of somebody's behaviour, that's our anger, that's our stuff, that's what we need to process. And I personally feel that 
if if I become angry because of somebody's behaviour, I want to do this stuff so that if that happens again, I don't get triggered or I refuse to accept the invitation of becoming triggered because it's a leak of energy, isn't it? It's it, and I would rather not have that. So so yeah, it's all about doing the work so that you actually don't have those responses. Interesting. You mentioned leak of energy. So are you suggesting that when we have these responses, which could be habitual? but are probably unhelpful, they're, they're actually costing us in our personal They're a problem for ourselves. Of course they are, yeah. And, and actually, if you think about it, all of those kind of negative emotions that we think about, they are all generating negative body chemistry within us. And there are some quite you know, well-documented physical and psychological effects of high levels of stress hormones circulating around in our body we know they're really bad for us um and and it doesn't they don't have to be there really they they are a choice and people don't like to hear that because they 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 then say are you saying it's my fault <laughs> and you know we have to then we have to look into that and explain we're not talking about fault in any way shape or form what we're saying is how you are feeling is ultimately up to you because somebody could say something and one person would be horribly upset by it and another person would be completely unaffected. So it's that that whole kind of your experience is a choice, realistically. Um, but that's hard to hear because, like you say, it's a lot of responsibility, isn't it? But that's part of doing the work, understanding that and realising it. And actually, once you realise that, once you realise that, mm-hmm. actually... That's a huge power for you, isn't it? That's a, that is a superpower because then you never have to feel horrible if you don't want to. How interesting. And I would imagine that it's not necessarily easy ever to do this sort of inner work, but um, if, if, if we have three small children and we sleepless <laughs> nights, it's much more difficult than if we live in a comfortable, affluent, leafy suburb or we have easy access to nature. So I'm just sort of wondering what the the bigger picture preconditions are that make it easy. If we if we sit inside all day and never go out, does that make this sort of inner work easier or is it better to have contact with other people, with nature? Um, Those connections are actually... Um, they make it easier. So going out and making connections, that's a big thing that we we talked about during lockdown when people were very isolated, that making connection with nature and with others is very, very important. And that helps you to do the work. And and there's nothing like peer support, is there? You know, having having somebody to say, Oh, I get you, yeah, you know, and, and just that that kind of we're not we're not solitary creatures. And as much as, you know, there are Shwamis who live in the desert and and it's good to not your attachment is is usually the cause of misery and we should look to um kind of disentangle ourselves from those things that we need we we are we are sociable creatures and having support is a good and important thing so and we would definitely say connection is a good thing but also if you've got three children and it's very difficult to do the work then all the more reason to do the work actually you know if, if you find it hard and life stressful and and this on top of anything else that feels like a chore actually you probably need it more than than someone who's got all the time in the world to meditate and do breathing exercises but actually one of the things that we would say as well is that not everybody needs lots of connections so actually true resilience is about having the, the skills and the tools to make and maintain the connections that you need 
and that will be really unique to each individual person really so none of this is a you must do this 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 and this in fact we don't like the word must or should do we there are two least favorite words (laughs) because actually this is just about it's about you and it's about becoming conscious of what you require in any given situation and actually making sure that you're providing that rather than looking for it externally because then you will never be indebted to anybody and you'll never you will never uh, kind of have um that well no one never be be lacking yeah you're the one who's parenting yourself and comforting yourself and guiding yourself and you're giving you because there's nobody who knows what you need more than better than you do so if you're providing those needs for yourself you'll never be lacking will you and uh, you'll always be the one motivated to do it and what you'll find then is that you will attract lots of people around you just because your vibration will be so much higher really so you will never be alone but that's because you are okay if you are alone <laughs> you see what I mean we become those self-prophecies if you if you have if if people are around you because you need them or they need you, that's a different energy to people wanting to be around you, isn't it? And and I think when we are able to meet our own needs, we are in other people's lives, uh, not out of obligation. We're there because because that's it's a choice, we conscious be. choice. Yeah. Interesting. Many of us who who work in the health professionals spend a lot of time and effort looking after others. Are you suggesting that although that's okay, we need to attend to our own selves and our own stuff? It's vital that we attend to our own stuff because otherwise we won't be okay to help other people, will we? And and when we help people, we're not doing the work, we're signposting and then they choose to do the work or not. And that is a key thing, I would say, for health professionals. Indeed. So I've got a question for you. I, I heard a phrase years ago, life is a mirror. What, what do you make of that? And what does that mean in these terms when it comes to doing our, <laughs> our work on our inner, inner stuff? Chrissy says the universe is a mirror. <laughs> it's reflection, isn't it? So if we're, if we're, the, there is so much out there. The universe is infinite. We're bombarded with information all the time. We've got five senses. There's loads and loads of stuff. So uh, Karen and I might go to see a film and we might have a totally different experience and get something entirely different from it. Um, and that's because we, what causes us to notice certain things in the environment is that they reflect the things that are important to us, the things that that um, put us at risk, the things that we like about ourselves, the things we dislike. Um, everything that we notice is telling us something about ourselves. And so in that way, the universe behaves like a mirror. So um, when somebody bothers you, they're usually showing you a trait in yourself that you're not comfortable with. When you like and appreciate somebody, they're usually showing you something about yourself that you do like. So everything's a mirror. When you give feedback to somebody, um, uh, like an appraisal or something, that actually says much more about you than it does about them because you're actually appraising the things about about them that you like about yourself. So any feedback. So so it's really important to remember that if somebody upsets us, uh, well, first of all, they don't have the power to upset, upset us. But secondly, we're seeing something in ourselves we haven't become comfortable with yet that we haven't accepted. Oh, so there's the work. How interesting. So it's becoming aware of that. And sometimes we 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 speak and we're talking to somebody else and we're giving advice and we suddenly realize i may be talking to them but actually it's me that needs to take this advice 
that, that happens all the time with my patients. I will have a week where I'm saying things to people and there's a little claps and goes off in my head. You need to listen to this too. This is for you. And actually, I think sometimes that it that's it does work that way. Um, in that we we attract the patients that need this, a similar sort of healing to us, and it's a partnership, isn't it? We're we're walking each other towards health, aren't we? So, um, it's always important to listen to your own voice when you're when you're helping someone else. I think. Indeed, we've got just the last few minutes of of our time together, and it's gone so quickly. What what top tips or what key aspects would you like to suggest to our listeners? Well, actually, what do you think? Have we got time for Chrissy to do a, a short guided meditation? Uh, we can. I'm sure we can. So <laughs> listeners, um, if we go into a short guided meditation, please make sure you're in a safe space, not driving a vehicle or using machinery <laughs> if you're listening to this, because... Um, it may take us into a gentle state of relaxation um, when we should be probably sitting somewhere comfortably in a safe environment. Would that be right, Chrissy? Yes, that would be right. So I'm going to to um, read a meditation that um, you can get on our website for free if you add your email. There's no strings at all. Uh, <clears throat> and this is the meditation that we wrote to create a sense of presence and it's called The White Room. It's probably the oldest one, probably the first one that we ever published. So um, please sit with your feet flat on the floor and your spine straight and take some very deep, relaxing diaphragmatic breaths. And allow those breaths to slow and deepen. And focus on making the out-breath ever so slightly longer and slower than the in-breath. It's widely accepted that as we breathe in, there's a slight increase in muscle tone, and as we breathe out, there is a relaxing and letting go. And place yourself in the centre of a white room. The room is empty and spacious and comfortable, and you are calm and centred. And in the white room is only the present moment, the here and now. Nothing else resides here. It's very important for you to remember that this place of the pre present, the here and now, this white room, is the only place where you have actual power. Because it is the present moment. Here is where the future is determined by current thought. And as you sit in the centre of the white room, you'll notice a door to the right of you, behind which lies the future. But it is a future of infinite possibilities and limitless potential. In fact, every possible version of the future, including your preferred one, lies through that door. It's unknowable and free of constraints and past conditioning and limiting beliefs and worrying about the future events, be it tomorrow or years from now, is not appropriate. You cannot step through this door because the future is not determined yet. You determine the future with the thoughts, beliefs and intentions that you hold right here in the present. In the white room, you are the architect of the future. And in the white room, there is a door to the left of you behind which lies the past. Everything that's ever happened right from birth up to now, every memory, every thought, feeling, emotion, action, inaction, everything that was ever said to you, everything you ever witnessed, everything that has shaped your unique model of the world up to now, 
all on the other side of that door. And you cannot step through that door either because it is known. The past is limited and subject to past conditioning and old belief patterns and totally unchangeable. Often thoughts will drift through the doors of the white room, thoughts about the future, maybe worrying about a meeting at work or a deadline, and thoughts about the past, maybe ruminating about old experiences and memories. Good or bad, pleasant or unpleasant, they drift through the doors and take up space in the white room, contaminating your, your space for fertile manifestation. Remember that nothing resides here except the present, you in this room listening. So here's the tool. Take a few moments to examine the thoughts that are circling your white room. If it's a future concern that you find, like your plans for tomorrow or what you're going to have for your tea tonight or a future appointment, give it a label and put it through the door to the right and keep going until all those future thoughts are through the door. If you find concerns about the past, maybe reliving a conversation from last week or an appointment or a journey or an argument, Give each of those a label and put them through the door to the left one by one and close it until the only thing that is in your white room is the present moment, the here and now, which currently is my voice and this podcast. Um, as you sit in your white room today with the present moment, feel that there is infinite potential here and be grateful for the power to choose what you bring into this space and also to dump anything that doesn't belong, that doesn't serve you, that depletes you, that isn't helpful. And you can check the contents of the white room at any time at work or in the evening or during the night. Keep it tidy and use it well. It all belongs to you. Thank you. That's a really, really lovely um, meditation and um, we're now back in the here and now in a clean white room uh, and maybe my study will start to get tidier quite quickly after after that that's absolutely fascinating so the two of you do lots of training together um, and that's we can, people can find out about your from your website resilientpractice.co.uk which we'll put in the show notes and your book is How to Rise. And is that the only meditation in there or are there quite oh, no. a few? Quite no, a few. I think um, there's 20, maybe even more okay. in there, isn't there? 20 odd meditations. Yeah. In there. yeah. Well, I love your voice. And uh, just to remind all our listeners, and I've been entranced by your voice and I sort of went away, uh, just to come back to the here and now and make yourself aware of your your uh, feet on the floor and your breath uh, and uh, if uh, i'm assuming your eyes are open if they're not you may wish to open your eyes once you're back in the here and now and wiggle your fingers and just take a couple of breaths and be ready to go on with whatever's else in the day it's been a great pleasure talking to the two of you and discussing consciousness uh, and you're obviously authorities on this and anybody who crosses your path as patients or students I'm sure gets tremendous benefit from it so thank you very much indeed for coming and joining us on the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. Thank you, thank for, you having so us. Much for having us. <laughs> thank you and thank you everybody for listening go well. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. The show was hosted by our team of doctors, including Dr. Andrew Tresider, Dr. Peter Bagshaw, and Dr. Sarah Coop. The show was produced by Rob Holmes Music 
on behalf of the NHS Somerset Integrated Care Board. <laughs>